for the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Bruce, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. As always, wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast feed on iTunes and Spotify, all the new episodes drop there it's been every thursday but coming very soon that will be switching over to mondays look out for more information there there's more information not just about uh the day of the week that we'll be dropping this but also where we'll be dropping this podcast that's in the works and we'll uh get to get you more info on that as soon as possible um but beyond that you can follow us on social media at charlie underscore burris at zach tnt at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything Zach writes. Today's podcast is presented by TennesseeTickets.com, the place you should trust with your ticket purchases, balls, home, and away games, concerts at your favorite venues, all with zero hidden fees at checkout, unlike the other sites, and save $10 off every ticket purchase with the promo code AZ10. AZ10 hopefully very soon things are opening up and tickets will be for sale for stuff uh here soon they're coming up with creative ways to do things i saw some guy some concert in it was in like copenhagen or some you know some european country where they all have you know blonde hair and blue eyes uh and they had a concert in a in a field and everybody sat in their cars um so maybe that Maybe sometime soon in the United States. Uh, but anyway, Zach, would you go to a concert in a car in a field? Uh, at, at this point, yes, I would. I would go to anything <laughs> with any sort of social interaction just to experience something different than my 85th night of watching a old NBA game because that's pretty much what I've been oh. relegated to. What, I, genuinely, wouldn't that be nice? I, I would take it. I, I really would. Hey, whatever... Whatever I got to do, get me out there at, at this point. I would say that much. But uh, another week has passed in this extremely world, weird world that we're currently living in. Uh, how are things going at, at the Reagan abode? They're going about the same as they've went for several weeks now. Just plenty of homeschooling fun, which is, uh, I don't know, I feel like I, I should be a, a, a certified teacher at this point because I've put my time in uh i've done my my in classroom training it feels like so i'm ready to go with that i can say i do not envy you there it has been a fairly easy road to just like the days have just melded together for me we we were talking before coming on here uh you don't miss anything anymore you just like you don't have to worry about Oh, all these people are having a party at this place and this and that. What am I missing? I'm missing the people sitting at home watching Netflix. Well, hot thing, I can do that here. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a retired life, basically. This is what being retired is going to be like. It's a little sneak peek of when you finally reach that age and and can do that. And and I don't know. It kind of feels it is sort of a sneak peek like that it is a little bit like so when i was in high school i was the first graduating class at my high school uh and we were my junior year there was no senior class uh because of the way that it we all like transferred over to this new high school and uh so we were basically seniors for two years just in a row so it's it's kind of we're gonna have sort of this year now where we're all retired and then later we're going to get to do it again uh, a second time. Uh, you know, so, hey, the, we're, I'm, I'm just getting my practice. Well, hopefully the second time we can actually, you know, go take vacations and do all that fun stuff. That would with be being nice. Retired. <laughs> I, well, I, I still still might do that now if my vacation is just going to sit on a beach because finally, finally you can go to those. That's something, a nice development in the last week. But uh, either way, we can talk about all of that. Later, uh, there has been more Tennessee news, more recruits uh, that have come through the pipeline. I mean, just what an unbelievable run for for Tennessee recruiting right now. We're going to cover that. 
we're going to talk about something controversial that Zach wrote about Jeremy Pruitt and Alabama and his his chances. Where is he in line in terms of replacing Saban? We talked about it last week, then you expounded on it in, a, in an article this week, and you got some people pissed off. Uh, they're not uh, super happy with you, and we'll talk about that. But first, we want to talk about another something that you wrote at A to Z Sports Nashville.com about Jared Garantano. So it's it's going to be with this coming season. The quarterback position is really the thing that people want to know the most about. You have Harrison Bailey, potentially, if they find a way to track down JT Daniels. That would throw a huge wrench in everything, a transfer from USC, plus a few other guys in that 2B room. It's an interesting situation, and it's all spearheaded by a guy who is unbelievably polarizing, sort of in the way that he is viewed by Tennessee fans. So uh, what did you uh, write this week about JG, Zach? Well, just what you said, that it, that he's the most, well, what I think he's the most, pol- one of the most polarizing players, maybe not the most polarizing, but uh, if I let my recency bias show through, he's the most polarizing. Uh, he tweeted a video out last night. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, himself throwing, and it started with the Conor McGregor, I'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody clip. And I just read through the responses and it was a lot of, a lot of negativity from, from Tennessee fans uh, just towards him. Like don't do this and referencing his Times Square commitment. And then I saw he posted the same video on Instagram and a lot of teammates, uh, former Tennessee basketball players, Jordan Bowden, uh, other college football players, Jordan Love, um, I think Emory Jones there, uh, several people just commented, just giving him all this support. And it's like, you know, on one hand, a lot of, a lot of, and there's not all the fans feel the same way, this, this hatred or dislike, disdain towards him. But there's a section of fans that feel that way. And then there's a section of fans and, and players and people that are close to the program that just have this respect for Garantano and because of what he's been through, the adversity he's been through at Tennessee, the different coaches, the different offensive coordinators, the toughness that he's played with. He's play, took a beating for several years, being benched, coming back, helping the team win, and then ultimately deciding to return to Tennessee for his final year when he could have easily transferred. I think every, including everybody, including myself, thought he was – going to Rutgers. He's from New Jersey. He, his family had a relationship with, with Greg Schiano who took over there. It made too much sense not to happen, but you know, he, he said after the bowl game, he's, he's a Tennessee Vol, and he lived up to that and, and came back knowing that Harrison Bailey's there, knowing that Brian Maurer, JT Shrout, Kasim Hill, that they're going to be pushing for that job. And he was willing to come back and, and do what he, can to help the team win and I think it says a lot about who he is as a person and who he's become as a person I should preface all of this I got oof, I got thoughts on JG a whole lot of them um, I'll preface this and say so much I respect the kids hustle I respect so much that he has stuck through all of this garbage I mean good on this kid because I mean, I don't think I have the resolve <laughs> that he has had through all of this. Not not only just because he had to put up with, with Butch Jones first right off the top and then uh, thinking he was going to get Greg Schiano and then to Pruitt and then, you know, just all, all the stuff uh, that happened with all of that weirdness and stuck through all of that. And then he's had to play on these really bad teams where he gets crushed and he's been really tough. You know, he, he will just get smashed and get right back up. Uh, he, uh, he has been injured also. Uh, obviously, he played, uh, played with a cast on his arm for most of this past season. Uh, am I th- yeah, it's an o- yeah, that was his past season. Yeah, had yeah, October, I think. About half the season. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got tons of respect for him right off the top. Um, and, and I want to say that and I don't know that I, I'm always concerned because I know when some of these kids, they see their name come up, uh, they, they do listen to these things. And Jared, if you are listening, I, re- I really do. I respect your, your grind, your hustle, but I do have to be completely honest about him as a whole because he is a complicated character 
when it comes to the current state of Tennessee football. He is unbelievably inconsistent. Whether that is fully his own fault or not, that has just been the case. At times last season, he was not the best option. Brian Maurer came in and played better than him at sometimes. But at other times, JG without a doubt was the best option. He saved Tennessee's butt on multiple occasions and, and really came through. It's just so tough for me to look and say, yes, for sure, he is the guy that Tennessee needs to pull them through uh, and, and take them to, to that next level. I have not, put it simply, I have not seen the evidence that he is that guy. I hope he is. I'm 100% for it. But at the end of the day, I just want the best guy out there. And if Jared is that guy, great. If he's not, great, is my general feeling. I respect your grind, but if you're not the best guy for Tennessee football, I'm not going to weep for you. Like, I would kind of put it that way. Like, I, it, it's it's tough because I, I, I do like him as a, as a person and the way that he's persevered. But if a better option comes along, it just is what it is. The, I feel like that was a little a little rambly, but it's I I just got a lot of conflicting things going on when it comes to JG, and and I think that's he's not only polarizing among you know groups of the fan base, but also I, I get what you're saying, and I kind of try to split him into two parts of the on the field and and the person, and the person is what I've really grown to like over these five seasons that he's been at Tennessee. Um, because like we were talking about when, it, when a new coach comes in, you don't see a lot of guys, especially in his situation, stick around. He was not Pruitt's guy. Pruitt didn't recruit him. He, he, he was the best option he had. Pruitt went out and got another quarterback, Keller Christ, and, and tried that and went down that route and it didn't work out. And he could have easily, easily left after last season and the fact that he stuck around I think is what Tennessee fans love about Tennessee is that he he is loyal he is ball for life I mean that's I think he told us that by by what he by the choice he made now the on the field you're right the consistency I mean he 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 knows it the coaches know it I think it was the Mississippi State game last year where he pretty much just handed the ball off almost the entire second half until that, I think there was a, was there a fourth down conversion or something, or they went forward and I think kind of iced the game there, but he pretty much just handed the ball off because they didn't trust him to throw the ball. And then other games like Auburn 2018, I mean, he, he looks great and, and coming down the stretch last year to close the season with six straight wins. That doesn't happen without him. Maybe he can find something now that his second year with Cheney in this offense, he hasn't had that before. I'm skeptical on that too because some of the mistakes we saw last year were just uh, – they weren't so much the, – the offense was doing what it was supposed to do and he was just missing guys wide open. And that – you know, where do you fix that? Is the work he's putting in this offseason, the work on his mechanics, is that going to fix it? You know, he holds on to the ball too long at times. Some of that stuff is 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 between the ears, and I don't know if that gets fixed because it's his second year in the same offense or not. That was the toughest thing this past year is that I thought he was going to take a, a a good step forward with Cheney as OC. You know, they made that hire in the offseason. Everybody, oh man, Cheney's quarterback whisper, ah, yeah, 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 and. When he came out, I mean, it seemed like he got worse. I mean, and that was really tough to watch because I'm sure, you know, <laughs> Jared doesn't want to play that way. He wants to be the, the best quarterback in college football. But it, it, it was, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, is there a, a, a ceiling that he hasn't reached yet or has he already hit it? That's... That's been my question this whole time because sort of where is the progression? Because even when he was leading Tennessee to these wins at the end of last season, they were 
really ugly. Tennessee should not have struggled with Indiana. Right. Tennessee, that team last year, with with good quarterback play, would have smacked Indiana across the face. What? But they were down, you know, by double digits in the fourth quarter. I, and I think one stat it gets to that ugly part is the fact that Jawan Jennings had to lead the nation in broken tackles to get some yeah. of these wins. I mean, they owe a lot to Ugh. to Jennings. Yeah, you know, some of that yardage total on on his stat line is because Jennings broke a lot of tackles. And and it's so weird because I one hundred percent truth here. I'll 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 be up front at the Alabama game this past year, and I'm sure I'm not the the only one that thought this. When when Jarrett goes for the the touchdown at the goal line and it would have gotten Tennessee within seven six or seven points uh, in the third quarter of that game I mean it would have been uh, a a shocker to have it even be that close uh, in Tuscaloosa and it turns into a touchdown for Alabama I thought this kid needs to be in the portal yesterday transferring up out of here. oh I tweeted it I I would be lying I would be lying if I said I did not. Have that? Th- I think I tweeted it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I literally remember tweeted. I think I tweeted about Rutgers at yeah. that point. And it, he did come back from that, and he he redeemed himself. Um, more than redeemed himself, I I would say. I mean, you Tennessee's won six straight. What what can you say? He's won six straight. You know, hey, that's awesome. Yeah, it would have been easy for him but, to pack it in and say, "I'm gone after this year." I'm moving on um, I can't I can't do anything with this they don't trust me which why would they after the Alabama game but Pruitt stuck with him and trusted him and built that relationship which I think kind of as an aside here really helps Tennessee in recruiting because a lot I mean that got a lot of attention the face mask pull after the after yeah, the fumble everybody saw that and then everybody saw the hug that he gave him later in the year after he helped help lead lead him back or whatever the can't remember what game that was, but everybody saw how that relationship grew and how Pruitt invested in him, and I think that resonates with with players looking to go to play for a, a coach. They want to play for that kind of coach. It resonates with the families of recruits, and I think that says a lot about Pruitt. That's separate from from Garantano. It it does, and that is huge. And I I was very very glad to see that development. At the same time, I with Jared, I almost have the thought, like, why do you keep coming back for this beating? Why? I, I think he he could have transferred to a school where he would have been really really appreciated. Rutgers, oh my gosh, yeah, it's perfect. They would have been like, please, please come, ah. Oh. I think they didn't. They literally get a transfer quarterback this week. I think I, I saw that. <laughs> uh, and and he stayed stayed at Tennessee, even though he he has to tweet out these videos where it's like, I'm not listening to the haters anymore. I'm gonna go out. You know, he kind of has to have that attitude of like, I'm brushing off what people say about me. Well, you could have gone somewhere else and had a, been at a place where people aren't saying anything about you, <laughs> but you decided to to stick around and. As I said before, I, hey, I respect that kind of determination and that that headstrong. It speaks to the culture that's being built at Tennessee right now, the how yeah. close the team is and how they rallied around each other. I mean, you see he's down there working out with, with Harrison Bailey in Atlanta. I mean, that's his main competition, mm-hmm. unless the JT Daniels situation happens. That's his main competition next year. And Brian Maurer is tweeting at them, you know, in support. Uh, I'm surprised that guy's still stuck around, to be honest. I thought he would have been gone by now, too. Yeah. Um, it's just the way that they all support each other, it, it's it's pretty amazing to see the way that, that Pruitt took this broken culture because at the end of 2017, it was, it was broken. You had guys that liked Butch because a lot of people, a lot of players did like Butch and still do. Yeah. And then you had, you know, obviously the players that didn't and 
and he had the Shiano stuff in the middle of him. It's just a complete mess. And and for Pruitt to heal that somehow has, has been stunning. It has been, and it's so refreshing to see. You, know, you, you had a lot of players after Bush were saying, oh, there's, we need a coach with honesty that'll actually tell, tell you the truth. I mean, Pruitt could not be further on the complete other end of the spectrum in that, you know, he, he's not pulling any punches. The dude's going to tell you what he thinks right up top. He, he doesn't care. You know, you look back at that Facebook, Facebook, that face mask grab. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, and Jeremy Pruitt doesn't care that these blue check mark sports writers are out here saying, oh, he grabbed his face mask. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah. Because Jeremy Pruitt knows that he's going to do that. He's going to give these guys tough love. And it, it forms a, a respectful bond. It's, it is like, you know, and I, I am not a parent. You are a parent. Tell, tell me I'm, I'm wrong here. Kids, to whatever extent, like to have boundaries. Um, oh, yeah. Boundaries are good. Yeah, you need boundaries. And you need structure. You need, you can't just let people run free run wild kids yeah. players i mean that yeah you got to have that structured environment and it has to come from a place of of love where where you're saying i'm i'm reprimanding you i'm i'm pulling your face mask screaming in your face because i i don't just want you to be better i need you to be better this is for you not for me uh you know and players see that genuineness and it really resounds with them it resounds with me just watching it yeah. <laughs> as a third party i uh and and obviously you saw at the end of the season they're they're hugging and it's nice and players respect that stuff and it is great to see that that has happened and it is if if, if anything i you, i think you're exactly right jg staying is a testament to Pruitt. Oh yeah, <laughs> to whatever extent, uh, whatever he is doing, it is making JG won't JG staying through any of this because uh, you know he if the kid goes on on Twitter, I'm sure he sees where. Oh yeah. Like, oh please let Harrison Bailey be the starter. Oh oh oh, we need J- JT Daniels maybe. I I look. I said it. Uh, two to I think two weeks ago on on this podcast, my assessment of the JT Daniel situation was Tennessee with Jared is a quarterback away from getting over the hump. I I don't see it with Jared. If I'm being completely honest, unless something, unless he really pulls something out of the hat this off season, it, they're still a quarterback away, and maybe JT Daniels is that guy. That was my take on on and, that situation. I, I mean, that's. I feel the same way too, and still feel that way because you don't you don't have a quarterback until you have a quarterback. And I think Pruitt yeah. was pretty clear this spring that that every position's open. There is no like last year when when Garantano was he's our guy, he's our starter by July. I mean, he we're we're rolling with him. You don't hear that this year. So yeah, JT Daniels bringing him in would be smart if you can. It, it adds one more chance you have to have a great quarterback you just keep trying until you hit on one I mean that's what that's what all that's what all the programs that are successful are pretty much doing at this point I mean Georgia's rolling the dice on Jamie Newman Oklahoma's been doing it for several years now somehow and it seems to work it does and and just to have that it, I I do not have direct, direct proof uh, that this is the case with Pruitt, but it sure seems like it to have an attitude from a coach that is not him making potentially false promises to players like come and we'll, I, you saw it with, uh, with Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurd, uh, apparently according to Jalen Hurd, he was told we're going to kind of form the offense around you play smash mouth football. You're going to be the guy. And then he came in that, that did not happen. And he got pissed off, and he left. Well, Garantano went and through it with Butch Jones there in, in, in the did. Georgia Tech game. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we all saw it, and, and uh, you know, as kind of unsightly as his sort of temper tantrum or whatever you want to call that on the sideline was, it's hard to blame him at the same time after we know what we know about Butch. Because um, I'm sure he was told he was sold a bill of goods that Butch was never intending to come through on. And it, it just does not seem like Pruitt doesn't play that. He just doesn't 
that is not in his his uh his tool bag that, that's not something he likes to do he uh you know he'll he'll tell a kid hey i i want you you're, you're a wide receiver i want you to come play safety for me and and just be be straightforward and tell them like this this is the intention and if if you don't like it well, well don't come here that's that's that. It seems like that's his mentality more than being like, well, if you come, you, you, yeah, he's, you'll I be mean, a wider receiver. We kinda, and then you get there, and he's like, ah. We kind of saw it with Jeremy you know, Banks, where different. he knows that Jeremy Banks needs to play linebacker if if Banks makes it back on the team. But before all that happened, he knew Banks was better at linebacker. But Banks wanted to stick at running back. So he left him there for a while and said, hey, that's where he wants to play. And then – you know, asked yeah. him if he'd help out, and, and Banks said he would, but he didn't force him to go to that side of the ball, and that has helped, I think, in recruiting too. Same thing with Crouch. You know, he could play him at running back if he wanted to and have like a, a Derrick Henry-type running back there, but he wanted to play linebacker, so that's where he's at. I kind of want to see that. Well, they have lined him up Crouch. some now. You know, they have. Yeah, so. They had the, the kind of goal line – set and he he did eventually score his touchdown yeah. this past year uh but uh i guess i i'm such a big fan of derrick henry as a titans fan to see something like that in in tennessee orange would be amazing well that, uh but what they signed Lin- i don't Lin- know crouch would be that yeah guy. they got that whitehead lenith whitehead i think he just he's kind of that yeah that type of guy linebacker running back type guy and he signed with tennessee because he wants to play running back and, and they give him that opportunity uh, we'll we'll see. We could talk for days, days and days about uh, the quarterback situation at Tennessee. I think uh, we got a few more things uh, on the docket here. Another thing that you wrote, Zach, was about uh, Pruitt and his connection to Alabama, where he kind of sits in the line of replacing Saban. Uh, some typical, I would say, some typical offseason stuff. Um, what uh, what was that? article about that you posted there at Z. Well, I think we touched on it a little bit last week about how some Alabama fans have talked about, well, if Pruitt keeps this up, he'll be the guy at Alabama. And Tennessee fans have kind of pushed back against that idea because I think of what I think what we talked about a little bit there of, of the expectations, you know, why, why would Pruitt want to do this? But I think some of that too is like, well, how far up would, would on the list would Pruitt be? And I started going through some of the names. It's like, man, Pruitt's pretty far up the list if you think about it as far as what's reasonable. Uh, obviously, Dabo Sweeney's going to be number one on the list. But after him, you know, there's – you look at the Saban coaching tree, which is what I kind of did, and you rule several names out off the bat. Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, Mike Loxley, those guys aren't – yeah, Alabama's not going after those guys. I don't see Jimbo Fisher leaving Texas A&M. You know, Kirby Smart's at his dream job. Uh, then you kind of look at the home run type hires: uh, Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops, Chris Peterson, the retired coaches. Do they did they come back? And I don't know. That's a complete wild card. Maybe one of them does. You know, you never know what Urban Meyer will do. So then you get to the realistic names, and it's names like Mel Tucker at Michigan State or Billy Napier at Louisiana, maybe a Scott Linehan who's the passing game coordinator at LSU now that worked with Saban, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, it's not a it's not a very attractive list of names for Alabama, and you got to think if Jeremy Pruitt has a couple winning seasons at Tennessee, I mean he's he's got to be number two on the list, I think. I. Absolutely agree. As weird as that does seem with how early Pruitt is kind of in his his coaching career, uh, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. I would say of the of the dream team that Alabama would probably your Alabama fan would be shooting for, uh, Stoops maybe because he you know he did retire and he came back for uh, for the XFL and take that for whatever that means in terms of his intentions to, to coach. Uh, he has always had this but, kind of weird thing with the SEC. He's always kind of taken shots at the SEC ever since he left Florida, you know, mm-hmm. being the 
defensive coordinator there. And I've always wondered if it was a, I wish I was in the SEC or no, I hate the SEC type thing. I don't know what that's about, but there is kind of a weird that was, vibe there. I certainly always perceived it as a, a, a jealousy of, like, yeah. I kind of wish I was in the SEC, but I'm here at Oklahoma. Cause he, I mean, he knows about the SEC. He was at Florida. Uh, he knows what the deal is and he definitely enjoys beating teams in the sec uh and he's still only he's in his 50s i believe he's 59 Uh. yeah 59 still i mean he has he has some years left of course he did say i i believe his entire thing with retiring was that his father literally died on the sidelines uh coaching football and he said i'm not gonna do that um that's i hope i'm not (laughs) i'm not saying that that wrong but that does sound familiar yeah uh, his reasoning yeah uh and so I, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't, but beyond that, when you get beyond those sort of dream candidates that your, your typical Alabama fan would be like, well, we need to go get Urban Meyer. Well, okay. Yeah. So does everybody else, but they are not going to get him. So yeah. And then, it, uh, and then if you go outside of those guys, I mean, James Franklin, I mean, that doesn't really seem like a fit. He's, he's, he's from no. Maryland, I think. So Penn state that works. You know, Dan Mullen and Florida were always connected from his time there with Urban Meyer. I mean, who else among the top schools would you still a coach from? I mean, you don't, you know, Lane Kiffin's probably not <laughs> the answer. He's still trying to prove he can do it again at this level. PJ Fleck is not SEC material, I don't think. So, depending on how he continues to progress, I guess like a Lincoln Riley. I think I mentioned him Maybe. in the article, but I kind of feel. If he's going to leave Oklahoma, and I think it's kind of was was rumored a little bit this year when I think the Cowboys went after him, I think. But I feel NFL, like if he leaves Oklahoma, it's I feel like it's got to be for the NFL. You would, yeah. Just that offensive think. style that he plays. And and so, in light of all of that, I, I think I agree. If Pruitt, let's say that this coming year he wins nine games, then the next year, 10 11 games has a an appearance in the SEC championship game I think it's a complete given that he would be right in that conversation whenever Saban does finally step away I don't see any reason why he would not be I don't know but but you said there were people who were who were angry about this what I what I don't get I mean to me that just makes complete sense he is a dyed in the wool Alabama guy and if he gets good at Tennessee, why would he not be on that short list? Alabama would be stupid to not have him there. And so what were, what was the pushback with this? I think the anger was just from suggest – and I've never even suggested that Pruitt would leave Tennessee. In fact, at the end, I was like, I think my gut feeling is that he would stay at Tennessee just because – following Saban is a no-win situation for anybody. It's the same reason I think Dabo would stay at Clemson. It's just nothing. Yeah, it's where you went to college. It's where you played. It's where you coached. But you also, you're getting paid. You have a job. You have a family. You you don't want to be, you want to be settled. Uh, college coaches, like Pruitt, and I think Pruitt is a career college head coach, they want to be somewhere for a while. If you go follow Saban at Alabama, you're not getting, especially Pruitt, somebody's connected to Saban and kind of that coaching tree, you're not getting a long leash. I mean, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not competing for championships year two, maybe even year one, depending on the talent left behind, you're, you're not going to be there for long. So, that's the other question is would Pruitt leave? And I think that the idea of Pruitt leaving is they were projecting that, I guess, towards my article or in the comments there. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get any <laughs> kind of backlash like that. I, I could definitely see Tennessee fans are just, you've been burned so many times. You already had, you know, this previous off season, you had Rick Barnes, trying i don't want to say he tried to jump ship but really thinking about jumping ship they've been burned so many times that if you bring up oh well what if this opportunity came along for Pruitt? would he jump it's lane kiffin all over again in a way yeah it it's just uh people who have been abused by tennessee athletics still having it it's imprinted yeah yeah i totally get it 
<laughs> yeah, bat- battered vol syndrome, I believe, is the is the clinical term. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I get it. it but I, I think you can have that conversation and be sensical about it and say, it might suck. But yeah, if he gets good and the timing is is bad there, say Tennessee has a 10-11 win season, Saban steps down. Why would he not be in that top probably three guys that they look at? There's two uh, two things I think would work in Tennessee's favor. One, if Saban waits a while to retire, because I think we've seen if Tennessee gets the talent, Pruitt's going to be able to compete with Alabama. We saw it last year. Alabama had way more talent, and Tennessee was competitive in that game. They get a quarterback. They get this talent. They're going to be able to compete. But you want Saban to stick around as long as possible for Pruitt to get just as involved at Tennessee and get settled in there as much as possible to make it as hard as possible for him to leave. I mean, that I think would be ideal. The other thing is if Saban steps down, how does he step down? Does he just say, screw Alabama and leave? I don't think that's the case because I think he really does love the area. I think he loves Tuscaloosa. Does he have his replacement in mind, kind of like Bob Stoops did at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley? Does he have somebody on the staff that he wants to promote to take over? That's the other scenario, I think, where it would work out for Tennessee. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he does have a plan like that that we we just don't know about. Kind of a, a, I think I said it last week when we were talking about this, sort of a Pat Summit situation. Because that's what it would be like. I mean, it is that significant. You're going from essentially the the greatest current football coach to the next guy, <laughs> and whew, certainly don't envy the person that has to be in in that position and have to follow that that legacy. But I, it's it's kind of at at this juncture fruitless. But it's an interesting off season conversation that I wanted to have just because I knew it it got the people going <laughs> the this week when you when you posted that. But something else that has gotten Tennessee fans riled up and including me it well not in it hasn't just gotten tennessee fans riled up it's gotten rival fans uh rival riled up is tennessee's recruiting has continued to just hum right along they are still getting players in the last i believe if if i'm doing my math correctly in the last 19 days six four stars and two five stars have committed to Tennessee, uh, and and recently you have I it's uh, Caden Salter, quarterback Aaron Willis, the outside linebacker, and then Katron 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 Katron. It's a cool name. I need to learn how to say it. I need to hear him say it. Evans uh, is a defensive tackle, and they all three of those guys committed to Tennessee within the last week. It's unbelievable. I, I don't know what Pruitt is doing, but my gosh, just burning up the recruiting trail and it's pissing off Georgia and Florida fans. They're they're not happy. What's incredible about it is they're doing it so many different ways, I think, because two of these commits this week, Evans and Willis, I mean, they're, they're teammates. They're in Baltimore. They, they played with Dominic Bailey, who I think was an early enrollee this year at Tennessee. But that's... Uh, that's a lot of Joe Osovet influence there. I mean, that's his area, and he's hit that Maryland area hard. You know, he's from the Northeast. So I'm sure Niedermeyer uh, was involved with Willis, the linebacker. Um, I'm sure uh, – who's the, the Colorado uh, – Brumbaugh, Jimmy Brumbaugh. I'm sure he was involved oh, yeah. yep. with, with, with Evans, you know, there at the defensive line. But, you know, it's it's a team effort here. It's not just like, okay, it's it's all because of this. You know, it's kind of spread out. And, and that's impressive to me, just how they're getting commits. I mean, and Salter's from Texas. So it's, it's really a broad area that they're recruiting. It's not just in-state kids. They're, they're proving they can go outside of Tennessee and land elite talent. And that, that's been really impressive. It's crazy. Uh, and whatever, whoever... It is. Uh, I think the the evaluation of these guys is really stepped up too from from what we've seen with Butch. I think you just saw it with a lot of the freshmen that came in this last season. Your guys like Henry Toe, who came in 
and they're just monsters right off the bat. Even even though I mean he wasn't a five star coming in, he was a four star, and he was a decently highly touted player. But they're bringing him in, they're putting him in the right place, they're giving him an opportunity to succeed. And and I just look and I'm, when you look at what happened with those freshmen before and the potential of some of these guys, it's I, exciting. They're yeah. gonna have yeah, I, they're gonna have a chance to play, and I trust what Ansley and Pruitt are, are doing back there. And boy, I, this are, are we seeing genuinely the, the, what would you call it? The resurgence of, of, of Tennessee as an actual elite recruiter, as a, as a powerhouse on that recruiting trail, like, like Phil had them uh, back in the good old days. I mean, that was, it was a given that Tennessee was in with all of these big players and it's sort of looking that way again. I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse and, and say that and have these, you know, it turns out these guys flop or something, but man, it, it's impressive. It's hard, what they are doing. It's hard to not be encouraged and excited about what's going on because, you know, Tennessee went, had an eight win season last year with that. They probably shouldn't have after that start, you know, the roster depth is still not where it needs to be. It's still not a team full of Pruitt players. So if he's doing that with, with what he has, you know, imagine what he's going to do with these players. I mean, yeah, a couple of them might not pan out, but a lot of them will. I mean, recruiting rankings, like we said before, your top five recruiting classes are the teams competing for national championships. You land a bunch of four and five star guys, chances are you're going to have a bunch of four and five star players. Um. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's and, it's trending the right way. I mean it's hard to it's hard to see. I hate to keep bringing up Butch Jones, but with Butch Jones, you all, I mean you knew and you if you really were true to yourself, honest with yourself, you had to convince yourself that he was moving in the right direction. You had to convince yourself. You had to trick yourself to be excited. And with Pruitt, it's just, it's all right there. I mean, it, you, you don't have to interpret this in any sort of way other than they're starting to win games and they're getting elite talent. That's all there is to it. Anybody that is saying that this is kind of the norm, because I, I saw some some opposing fans say, oh, well, they got 12 three stars. This is what all Tennessee's done, and then they just have a few four stars and some five stars, and that's it. It's going to be the same. This is not the same. I mean, we both of us have been covering Tennessee for years on years now, from from Dooley all the way up till now. And then, of course, we've both been watching it our entire lives too, but we've paid incredibly close attention in the last number of years. This is not typical. This is not something that has happened uh, in in the, the in the recent past. Even with Butch, it was really he had he had the flagship players and then a lot of guys who probably should have been three stars, but some of them found a way to be four stars. Uh, some guys who really came in and, and flopped. And some of those some of those guys did come in and perform. I, I'm not gonna say they, they didn't all flop, that's for sure. Butch had some decent teams for, without a doubt. Some he had some teams that should have been really, really good, and they, they were kind of wasted. But uh, this is this is just not – it's just not the same. Georgia fans can say that all they want. <laughs> it's not, though. And and I am elated uh, to, to see this happen. And I – it almost with, – with this recruiting class, I think the thing that kind of feels the, the best is that all of this – isn't for this coming football season because this coming football season is going to be weird. We don't know how exactly it's going to play out. There are, there are schools like canceling the fall semester already. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with this football season, but hopefully, I mean, my gosh, I would hope by fall 2021, when these guys will be coming in, we'll be past all of this. And that's so that's so exciting more than anything. This is the thing that is giving me the most hope in the middle of this pandemic is just Tennessee's recruiting class. And it's not just because it's a great recruiting class, it's because they're going to come to fruition when this pandemic is over with. 
and we're actually going to get to see them play in a stadium full of people and it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that would be terrible uh, if this was like that, Tennessee was expected to be preseason top five and the season might not happen. That would be the most uh, Tennessee thing ever. The the Tennesseeest thing to ever have happen. It's I think you are going to have a situation like that with basketball, and unfortunately, uh, depending on how exactly that goes down, maybe oh, yeah. play without crowds or what, whatever it ends up being. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that the, the basketball team is probably going to be top top fifteen, top ten. But uh, it's it is the thing that I I'm looking at like man, that 2021 season is going to be a lot of fun with some of these guys coming in, and then some of the the original pro recruits really coming into their own. Maybe Tennessee does really fall in and find their, their quarterback. Hey, maybe this That's, is uh, it's really, really, really exciting. Maybe this is Tennessee's way of getting out of the Oklahoma game this year. <laughs> maybe it, it didn't come out of a, a lab in Wuhan or the, the American army or whatever, all the conspiracy theories are from everybody. Uh, it actually came from Tennessee, where they said, oh, "We do not want to play Oklahoma." <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, so, uh, we got to come up with a way to get out of this without. No, <laughs> God. that's almost that's almost too dark. I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, none, nonetheless, I guess I guess we should. But let's end it on on this. Another good week of, of Tennessee news. Did you any any party thoughts? that you had anything else you wanted to discuss <laughs> no the the one thing that i would tell the georgia fans with the three stars is that some of those three star players are very close to being four stars colby smith and, and walker merrill and some of those three stars are not going to be signing with tennessee so that i think the yeah. three star counts probably not relevant right now no yeah, give give that some time to to play out i completely agree and and we'll finish with this just another quick update about uh football happening this coming season the i believe it was almost all california state universities will be closed for the fall semester they announced which can we not look i i know this is a divisive topic can we not realistically look at the data and call a spade a spade College kids are not being hurt significantly by this virus. I mean, it is, I, I think I saw some some chart today, literally less than one in a million chance of dying from coronavirus. And we're going to shut down colleges yeah. four months before they start? I believe uh, Governor Cuomo in New York today said that less than 1% of all hospitalized patients in New York were under 20, less than 1% of however many cases they have. It's in the thousands, you know? Yeah. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands yeah. that they have there. I, it just doesn't make sense to me that we can't, we can't realistically step back and say, if you're under 45 and healthy, this is not. And you're, you're, yeah, you, yeah, you you have some outliers, just like with any. You do. There, there are, there are. Make no mistake, but that's that's true of anything. Stuff right. happens. Your health is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. We all live in this world knowing that that fact. But the the risk to, as I said, people. I I tweeted it out. What what exactly was it? In just like yesterday i think i i ran a quick little calculation it was yeah here it is in new york city the epicenter of epicenters i mean the, the biggest outbreak on planet earth i believe um the mortality rate for people under age 45 with no underlying conditions chronic conditions is 0.025 percent in the in the place with the biggest outbreak in the world. And that is only a number run off of confirmed cases. That doesn't take into account these antibody tests where they, yeah. they, you know, they believe that millions and millions of people in New York City have already had it. That doesn't count that. It counts only the cases that we know in that age bracket. Uh, 0.025%. And we're... Like, I get it. There, there are professors that are 60, 65 years old, 70 years. I mean, I had some, some really old professors and 
do do we not feel like it, the better strategy might be letting the hundreds of thousands of college kids go to class and figuring out a way to shelter the older folks of which there are far far less <laughs> I, I mean i you look around the world a lot of these countries in europe are opening schools back up what do they know that we don't i don't i don't get how this is this is unfolding why it is unfolding the way that it is with some of the the policy decisions that are being made when it comes to this stuff spe- specifically kids going back to school and colleges and things like that i maybe there's some data point that i'm missing but 0.025 percent on the age of 45 with no underlying conditions i mean come yeah, on. yeah i'm on board i'm on board with it with, with sending kids back to school going back uh being smart with your at-risk population whether it's age-related, you know, chronic condition-related, there's a better way at this point, I think, to handle it. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's no signs at this point that we're going to really get back to normal for a year at this rate. And it's, you know, it really has went from slowing the spread to eliminating the spread, and we are not capable of eliminating the spread yeah i and there are a lot of politics that come in and i certainly don't don't want to get into all of that i just i try to take a completely objective view and i say this is not the flu the the flu does not kill like this does in the same way but for young people these stats are these stats are bearing this out why and, and I don't understand why we cannot take a step back and say this, this is what the data is actually telling us. This is what it says. It's like <laughs> we can't believe it for some reason because some older people are, are at risk. I don't I, I could lament, lament that all day. The entire point, the overriding point of all of this being California state schools not having on-campus classes in the fall throws a giant wrench into the potential for any Division I football happening uh, because California state schools uh, are in FBS football, some of them. I, b- I believe it would eliminate, I think I saw someone say, three Mountain West schools. That's three schools out of a uh, decently major-ish conference football that – I don't think you can have football without kids on campus. And so it's not good news. I, I, I would say that much. Um, yeah. If, if I, you I bring, kind of say do it that way. You will, I guess if you bring, if you don't bring kids back to campus, but you try to have football. So you bring the athletes back to campus. At what point are they, how are they students at that point and not paid employees? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, that's a whole nother I don't know, and 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 there's there's all this talk. You you had uh, you had the situation this week. UFC came back. It it uh, they had an event, and it generally speaking went off without a hitch. But they had a fighter who tested positive. A fighter, and I believe two of his team, uh, they all tested positive for the virus. And I mean, all those dudes are going to be fine because they're young and in shape, and they're fine. And people freaked out, and there were a lot of people saying, oh, we got to cancel it, we got to cancel it. People that had zero to do with the the event. Yeah, people that had zero to do with the event. Why why do you want to cancel it? What what is your, are you involved in any way? If not, then why do you want to cancel it? Because I didn't see a single, a single person involved in the event itself that saw that and was like, <gasps> we need to cancel it. Cancel this now. No, because no, we would have heard they it. They went and yeah. they did it and it was fine. Yeah, the the testing did what it was supposed to do. If, if anything, to me, this was a testament to the fact that this model can work. I, I think it really says that was a great sign for pro sports because you had someone who had the virus and they didn't freak out and they didn't go, ah, cancel it. Now they went about their business and it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. And PG, PGA you know? is going to do something similar, except 
yep. they are not going to announce if somebody tests positive. They said they would leave it up to that individual mm-hmm. if they wanted to let it be known. Uh, they could announce it, but they would not be announcing it. Which I guess, if you have a, a, somebody suddenly drop out of the event, I mean that's kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, I was say, you might end up knowing. Yeah. E- e- either way, oh, he has to be yeah. out for two weeks. I wonder what that yeah. means. <laughs> uh, and and there are it gets weird when you talk about obviously not all participants around sports uh, are are healthy twenty five year olds, um, because you. You look at some of the wrenches that would be thrown into it where it gets complicated is Rick Barnes is 70 years old. So what's the deal with him participating in, in this kind of stuff? He's in a, a decently high risk bracket. And I, I'll completely say that, you know, I, I can list my stats for for younger people that say younger people should be able to not not feel extremely scared of this virus. If you're 70 years old you're getting serious at, at that point. And I, I don't know the, the logistics get strange really, really quickly when you bring in a, a lot of people and are maybe you say, maybe Rick Barnes is okay with participating in and saying, okay, well, if we all get tested and everybody's negative, sure, I'll participate, but maybe some coaches aren't willing to do yeah, that. I think major league baseball, major league baseball is kind of going through that right now where you got some players that, Mm-hmm. aren't comfortable with returning some want to i think that's going to be a common theme through pro sports as they try to return although pga which i just brought up I, I don't think they've had really anybody oppose which that's a little different it's kind of social distancing's built in there so it's kind of it it works for this but some of the other pro sports baseball uh, basketball and especially football yeah i can see that that being an issue with a lot of people raising objections it gets really weird really, really quickly with that stuff. There's a lot of conversations to to be had about it in, in terms of how many moving pieces with each different sport. Obviously, the each team, when it comes to PGA, it's two guys. It's a guy and his caddy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's far less uh, to worry about. UFC is kind of the same way. You have a guy and his team. Uh, and I, I don't even know necessarily with UFC, uh, your typical team size, what that means. They had quite a few. I watched um, some of the undercard or the whatever was on ESPN before the actual pay-per-view started. And uh, I'm not a big, full disclosure, I'm not a, a big UFC guy. I don't typically watch it. But at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm watching it because it's something. And they had quite a few people around uh, in the – the octagon with with the fighters no mask everybody outside the octagon kind of around support staff i saw lots of masks um but i i guess all those people close to the fighters had probably been tested uh yeah i I guess that's how it worked it's really it's tough because obviously it, it gets a lot of people going and i don't I don't want to do that with, with this podcast because I know purely purely by me stating some of those stats and saying, oh, it's only 0.025% chance of mortality. Yeah, suddenly you're, you're not taking people. it serious in somebody's some, mind. Yeah, yeah. Some Somebody out there who is listening is saying, well, you – so that means someone will die. I know. I, I know. We each view it differently. Yeah. It's hard not to okay. sound callous when you it suggest – that death is a part of life. No, we no, nobody wants to see it. Nobody that reasonable wants no. to see it at all, but a lot of it's out of our hands altogether. Yeah. I mean, let, let me just say, I'm very, very serious about this. I'm a person who has a grandmother who's 85 in a nursing home and I am scared for her health. I, let me just say, I'm taking this extremely seriously. I have not gone out and and eaten at every restaurant in town just because I have the the ability to. I am being cautious. I you know, but at the same time, I can look at the stats and objectively say the risk for college kids is very literally almost zero. And we're gonna close college campuses because some of the professors are older. Why don't we take the professors off campus instead of the students? You know, I I, I think it. You can lo- say something like that logically, and at the same time. <laughs> Take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and say, and, and I mean, the, these conversations are going to continue. This is the conversation that we're going to end up having 
for the next two years. Probably, yeah, until there's an effective vaccine. Long. I mean, this is going to be messy until mm-hmm. there is an effective vaccine or infections just plummet. And I don't foresee that just happening all of a sudden. So, it, it, but one of those Very two things, unlikely. yeah, one of those two things has to happen. They have to plummet. Well, they have to plummet regardless, it, either naturally just a long shot or via vaccine and we don't know when that's going to happen yeah well this is another one we we could talk circles around it there's so many different factors to that whole thing and as i said it gets really political really fast in no way is that my intention with with any of this because i don't i don't want to piss piss people off but i do believe what i believe about it and i see what i see and i'm not gonna not gonna beat around the bush with that just because some people Uh, don't like it or listen. Yeah, we we all want to be normal. That's it. I mean, whatever exactly. we got to do to we're, get there. We're all on the same page yeah. in that way, I think. Yeah. How how do we get back to normal as quickly as possible? There there was good news this week. This is another thing that I, I, I tweeted out those more mortality stats last night because I had also seen um, the CEO of Pfizer, one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. He said, if everything goes correctly, with their vaccine candidate, they would have, I mean, this was his quote, millions of doses ready by October, which I don't know how truly feasible that is. If he's just saying that to be optimistic, but sounds good to me. Let's do it. I will say I'm, I I don't know much about the development of vaccines. Well, I don't know anything about the development of vaccines, but I do know that the, yeah, the, the H1N1, and, and you can go research all this on the, the CDC website, the H1N1 vaccine, or H1N1 reached the U.S., I believe, early April 2009, and they started working on a vaccine sometime, I guess, prior to that because they knew it was an issue. And by that fall, I think it was October I can't remember the exact date. It was the early part of October. They had vaccines ready to be administered um, nationwide. So that that's that same kind of timeline. Now, I don't know the development of the H1N1 vaccine because it's a, a strain of the flu. If they were kind of ahead of where they would be with developing a vaccine for coronavirus, I'm not sure how that works. I have no idea. I do think that was a fact. I'm sure that because it was an influenza right. strain. But I do know um, they've had a vaccine that they created get to market fairly quick. Well, and, and I mean, there, there's even been talk that I've seen. Uh, there, there's been so much, uh, so many vaccines that we've tried to make and have failed that people people are kind of saying, hey, it's not a guarantee that we're going to have one, period. So you may want to kind of find a way to move forward without and that's well that's that's an entire yeah i mean i've thought about that too what if what if a vaccine isn't that effective i mean how do we know that that's going to be the case i mean you know the flu we have a flu vaccine and it's not always effective flu is still a major issue well and and i i still think the a lot of the talk has been about some of these antibody treatments not anybody tests anybody treatments where they take antibodies from a person who's had it and they they give it to other people and they're they're trying to find treatments where they can synthetically do that and treat people that way i, I read a whole thing uh, about it they're pinning a lot of hopes on that and per se that this vaccine does not come along quickly um if you can get something like that and it brings the death rate down significantly uh hey can we not go back to normal then? If you have a if you have a treatment that takes the mortality rate from whatever point eight down to point two point yeah, one, that's I, the... I don't know what's what's like safe for people, but like what's acceptable? What, what gives yeah. you peace of mind? Yeah, um, that's the number that really matters. Does, does that change it? Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. ultimately survivability, and you don't you don't want to have some long-term devastating effects that you have to live with because you had this virus. And I know we still don't know exactly yeah. how it's going to affect people's lungs and, and if they're going to have a lot of issues moving forward, but we will, I'm of the belief that we will have to learn to live with this virus to some extent, not like its current form, not this crazy pandemic level, but at some point it it's, it's going to be a part of our lives forever. I feel like. Probably. Uh, hopefully, it's part of our lives like, I don't even know, 
like a measles is. Yeah. It's stamped out, but sometimes you see it, you see a small resurgence. Um, hopefully that's how it, it ends up. I, yeah, nobody knows. I, in no way do I want to act like I'm kind of a doctor in that way. I don't have any kind of a medical degree to say that's what I would hope for. That's what I want to see. Get it as much out of our lives as possible. But I, who knows these days we're, we're living in weird, weird times. Uh, and so that's, I think that's it. That's a good place to, to stop. Any parting thoughts, Zach, for this week? I'm probably going to spend the whole week wondering if Jarrett Garantano stayed for our coronavirus discussion or if he if he bounced after we were done talking about him. <laughs> Jarrett, here, I'll, I'll say this. Jarrett, if you do listen and you make it to this part of the show, tweet at me and Zach, <laughs> at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT uh, on Twitter. Just tweet at us and say, say, I listened. I heard. Just let us know. Or if you uh, block us, we'll probably take that as a sign, too. Or, or block <laughs> yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> or block us on Twitter. One of the two. <laughs> e- either way, we're we're fine with it. You know, you it's it's a part of talking about Tennessee sports that I've I've made my peace with, believe me, because if I didn't have peace with it, I wouldn't be able to do this. So that is pretty much it. That's our social media for you. At A to Z Sports is the other twitter account that Jarrett can tweet at uh, <laughs> a to z sports nashville.com uh and that i think that's most of it be- because we we have some changes coming to the to the podcast feed um so stay tuned for that and it, oh and again um we're switching to mondays i believe the the next podcast will be uh on monday when when you hear it so that is all of that i'm charlie burris that's zach reagan thank you so much for listening if you made it this far, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, see you guys later. Anymore.